This is Healthcare Now Radio's Trending Now. I'm your host, Jared Johnson. Join me and my guests as we discuss the latest topics that are in the news or getting social media traction in the universe of healthcare and health IT. It's a fast-paced 30 minutes, so sit back and listen as we kick off the show with what's on trend now. Today, I'm speaking with Joe Seed, the COO at Logic Source. Joe, welcome to Trending Now. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Joe, uh, let's help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. What would you like them to know about you and your background? Well, I guess I've had the uh, the dubious honor of, of 25 plus years in the business services and technology space. Most of that uh, in indirect procurement. So I, I've been um, I've been lucky enough to meet with over probably 300 different procurement teams over the years, understanding their challenges, their pain points. You know, we've helped solve a number of those over the years, and uh, I'm passionate about the value that. Uh, can be derived from uh, indirect or non-clinical or purchase services uh, expense. Fantastic. We've been asking our guests a lot lately question about career advice. So the reason we do this is that what I'm finding is that just about any, anyone I speak with lately is at least looking at or considering, you know, how they've gotten to where they are, you know, are they getting what they want out of it? So whether people say it out loud or not, there's just a lot of thought going into career paths. Mm-hmm. And I love hearing from leaders about one of those pieces of career advice that maybe has stuck with them or guided them along the way. Is there something that comes to mind in terms of one of those pieces of advice that has just helped you and, and has kept with you all these years? Yeah, it's a bit of a cliched one, but I'd say there's an old one around if an opportunity scares you or makes you feel uncomfortable, take it. And I think that's probably the the one that's really stuck with me over the years is, uh, you know, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and trusting yourself that you'll be able to learn and adapt and and be very capable of that new new opportunity. That would be the one that I would uh, say is the most effective. And I've certainly uh, been through a couple of those changes in my career. And it's it's a bit daunting, but uh, it's always served me well over time, eventually. That's great. You know, some of the recent guests we've had on have pointed to things similar to that in, in in the terms of like maybe there's an opportunity that they didn't expect or were looking for, but somebody asked, hey, we need somebody to do X, Y, Z. We would like somebody to try this new thing and to make yourself available during those moments because you never know if that's the moment that's going to lead you in a trajectory that that's just somewhere that, again, you wouldn't have guessed or were targeting yourself, but ends up being the right place for you. And so it's along those similar lines in terms of just like making yourself prepared and, and not just being satisfied with the exact thing you're doing right now or or recognizing like new opportunities can come in the future. That's what it sounds like you're saying. Yeah, that's right. I think, uh, you know, those those opportunities that scare you or make you feel uncomfortable are exciting, but you've got to put yourself out there and, you know, sort of work hard outside the boss's office a bit, if you like, to be in the right place at the right time to be presented with them. So putting yourself out there is important too. Yeah, I, I so agree. And I, I have, I've seen it myself. I've seen it with a lot of, uh, a lot of colleagues in the fact of, we probably didn't grow up thinking in this field, even if somebody thought, hey, healthcare is interesting, they probably didn't grow up thinking they were going to be doing the thing that they're doing right now. <laughs> and right. part of that's because a lot of these jobs didn't exist. The types of things we're doing didn't exist back then. So we didn't know about them. And yet that's how the opportunities have unfolded time and time again for so many people in our field. So yeah, it's it, it's great. It's a great observation. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen that as well. Let's start here. Joe, I'm really excited to dig into this. Our focus today is on healthcare spending. And we'd like to start off with a trending topic. The one I'm pointing us to is a recent article on hospitology. So it's by Blake Madden. And he was reviewing healthcare spending projections 
which were based on what CMS released. They just released their annual projection of national health expenditures. So it contains historical data up through 2021. And it was driven by strong demographics growth for the 65 plus demographic. And the projection shows that healthcare spending will outpace the broader GDP growth. So between now, between 2021 and 2031, spending is projected to rise from 18.3% of GDP to 19.6%. And this is one of those cases where, because we're talking about trillions of dollars, that 1.3% increase is a lot. That is so big. And it's hard to fathom sometimes. So overall, the trend it's discussing is this rise in healthcare spending during the next decade, especially compared to other areas of the economy. Maybe this is a good starting point for us because just having this in the news again is apropos, I think, for what we'll be discussing today. But what did you think of, the, of that article or that report and, and why costs continue to go up compared to other areas of the economy? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it, it's very relevant. I mean, obviously, we are in conversations with healthcare CFOs and, and supply chain leaders every week, and they definitely echo the sentiments of the article. I think, um, you know, that said, though, uh, we're also in conversations with um, financial and supply chain leaders across multiple different industries, and uh, they are faced with the same pressures in different ways. So, you know, in a, in a retail or a CPG context, logistics, distribution, transportation costs are, are a real pressure. That's obviously the case in healthcare too, but, you know, also labor, particularly clinical labor. So I think uh, everyone's kind of feeling the pinch of uh, the recent inflationary period. And, um, you know, we, we have been enjoying a period prior to recent events of, of, you know, very low interest and very low inflation. So I think uh, it seems like this might be the new normal, but my crystal ball is often wrong. But I do think, you know, the main point I'd make is while multiple different industries are feeling the same pinch, other industries that we work with are more, more mature, more aware, more educated of how to offset those cost increases through cost reduction initiatives on their spend areas. That obviously the area that we focus in most being non-clinical purchase services expenses, you know, that's just not an area that we have been seeing in healthcare that folks have been paying attention to or have put wood against. I think there is a growing realization that that's an area that, um, you know, typically represents about 20% of a system's annual revenue. So is is a significant area of expenditure with usually some very, very rich savings opportunities buried within it. But it requires expertise, manpower, technology, data to go after. And building that can be a bit daunting. And I think other industries, you know, started down that road potentially earlier than healthcare and, and are seeing the results. And uh, for me, I think, um, you know, in the conversations we're having, it's a big opportunity for healthcare as well to start offsetting some of these these cost increases that, um, you know, obviously outpacing revenue growth opportunities and, and compressing operating margin as a result. Yeah, I, I, I see the wisdom of approaching it that way, because when we see these these big numbers, the macro numbers, if you will, compared to the GDP, for instance, you know, what was shared in this report, a lot of times it's hard to relate that to, well, where do we fit in? Where does our organization fit in? Is our spending, mm-hmm. you know, even if it is above or below that projected line, what does that mean for us? And so I think the the implications and the action items that are needed as a result of it, you know, the insights that come out of studying something like like this, they're useful. And yet it's it never paints the full picture and the context of where an, uh, any individual organization is. And so being able to understand the relationship between the overall, the macro level of spending and where that's projected to go versus 
hey, us in our our organizational here, are the pressures we're facing, it's helpful again just to set context, but it doesn't give us the full picture. And so it's it's one of those things where the again, the numbers are so big. Sometimes it's hard to relate, but it's important to know where things are anticipated to go, because then we have a better idea of how to plan and how to prepare. So I love that. Well, let's set up the rest of our conversation here. As we discuss the need to address spending, we're going to talk about clinical versus non-clinical spending. You've mentioned it already. Can you clarify what kinds of expenses are included in each of those types of spending? Yeah, for sure. I think um, you know we talk about non-clinical and, and purchase services uh, expenses, and it's broad. We divide the world up into a number of different if you like, kind of level one or super categories and subcategories that live under those. And, and the, the areas that we focus on are across all things marketing. So agency, media, print, anything related to that, all things uh, IT and technology. So that would be hardware, software, services, telecom, IT, consulting, labor, et cetera. We also have a, a category that we uh, group together uh, into corporate services, which is HR, finance, legal, labor, spending areas. Distribution logistics and packaging is, is another big one for us. So those are the uh, some of the areas. And then obviously facilities and construction, the, the CapEx and the OpEx categories, so the, the build and the maintain and supply items are, are also a, a big area of focus for us. So across those broad areas, you know, there's a significant amount of spending. And, and usually uh, in the data that we've got across a few different industries, and we're seeing the same in healthcare now, you know, you add all of that up in, in the corporate budgets um, for each of those business units, you're looking at spending in, around, in and around kind of 18 to 20% of, of a system's revenue is basically what those make up. I see. So, okay, so that's helpful to know because I think sometimes people can, you know, if they're not familiar with how that lines up, when you, there's a lot of equipment and services and mm-hmm. tech su- and supplies, I guess, that maybe right off the bat, at least me, you know, when I worked in a hospital, you know, I may, I may have had to think for a moment of like, wait, which, which category does some of those things fit in? So I appreciate you know, this kind of starting at, at the beginning here, but it's helpful to set up the rest of this discussion because where I'd really like to dig in here with you for a moment is kind of how we got to where we are. So historically, why health systems have addressed clinical and non-clinical spending in different ways. What's your take on that? It's an interesting landscape to come into and learn about, you know, over the last year or so that, that we, we've been working in the healthcare space. And, you know, what I'd say is I think there's a prevalence of, of GPO activity in healthcare. Now, obviously that exists in other industries as well, but I think, um, the, um, the, the, the approach or, um, kind of experience that we've had in conversations has been, yeah, I don't need to look at non-clinical or purchase services expense because that goes through my GPO. When we kind of penetrate that a little further and look at, well, how much of, the category spend in the areas that I just mentioned can actually be put through a GPO. It's actually a small percentage, you know, 25% or less in, in some instances of the total universe of spend. And, um, you know, often buying actually isn't, you know, even if a GPO is set up, purchases aren't being routed through them uh, or they're not being routed through at the right price. So I think um, there's opportunity even in that 25%. But largely, I think it's awareness because of the fact that people think that Hey, it's, uh, if it's with a GPO, I've got it covered when, you know, 75% of this savings opportunity is left unmanaged and, and kind of unsourced and procured because of that. And I think that's probably the one big aha moment that, that we've had coming into the healthcare industry is, is, is that kind of GPO focus and a lack of awareness of kind of all the other spend that could 
that could be channeled and drive savings through a, a dedicated uh, non-clinical sourcing function. Oh, I see. So so that's one of the things that you've just seen kind of across the board and in general, that's common to just make that assumption of what's included or what what's available from a GPO agreement. Yeah, I think in other industries, there's awareness of what can go through a GPO and awareness what doesn't go through a GPO. And they're used as a tool in the toolbox to get at the overall picture. And I just think in healthcare, the rest of the overall picture outside of that spend hasn't yet been uh, hasn't yet been penetrated. And, you know, it takes manpower and resources and data and technology, like I mentioned. And I think uh, folks haven't yet kind of started actioning on that uh, in the way that they have in other industries, which are more mature in kind of taking that journey. Yeah, that's helpful to understand how it happens in other industries. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. If you're just now tuning in, I'm Jared Johnson, and you're listening to Trending Now on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm speaking with Joe Seed, COO at Logic Source. Let's get right back into this. Joe, when we're talking about how a health system negotiates the spending, I'm really curious. I know you have some insights here as far as how they negotiate non-clinical spending. That can be a fruitful opportunity for negotiation, and that negotiation can improve your, your profitability. It's kind of a, a sequence of events, it feels like. Let's set the stage here. Like, what are some of those trends in profitability that you're seeing among health systems in this area? Oh, well, I think downwards, based on the rising uh, rising operating costs. So, I think um, you know, without exception, everyone that, that we've been talking to has operating margin pressure. You know, costs are going up, revenue isn't increasing quickly enough to keep pace, and therefore profitability is reducing. So, I think uh, the point here is, you know, where else can I look to take cost out? You know, that that drives at this sort of fruitful opportunity that you mentioned in terms of negotiating these uh, these non-clinical or these uh, these purchase services expenses and capex items. Has it accelerated or spe- or, or slowed down since you know the peak pandemic you know portion of 2020 2021? How has it been like in the you know compared to that, or, or has there been a big trend of that you know of seeing it go downward? Yeah, I think since since. Um, Really, since the beginning of this year, we've certainly been seeing costs for some of the commodities, labor, transportation, they're coming down. So I think, you know, there's, you know, number one, there's opportunity, therefore, to go capitalize on that if folks haven't already. But number two, I think, um, you know, that that still isn't pre 2020 levels. So the cost didn't come all the way back down. There's still significant variability and fluctuation across commodities, labor and then distribution costs. So it's, down relative to a year ago, but not the picture is still not rosy. And um, you know there are plenty of areas that are still steadily increasing across some of the key commodities you would expect to look at in terms of fuel and um, you know materials for construction, things of that nature. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, so how much are health systems really paying for non-clinical purchases, and is that similar or different from other non-healthcare industries? Yes, yeah, it's. it's um, I think this is the core of the question, isn't it? So we see in healthcare extremely capable, well-run machines in terms of folks focusing on the clinical expense, M- much less resource focus on the non-clinical expense, and that tends to be procured by the business units themselves. So, you know, the marketing function is buying its own marketing media, ad spend, marketing technology, things of that nature. IT the same with hardware, software services, you know, the facilities teams are buying their own maintenance contracts and supplies and uh, construction materials, etc. The fact is that it's those same teams also have to do their day jobs of uh, deciding what to market or, you know, which technology systems are required or how and where to 
to build and maintain locations. So it tends to be the corner of people's desks in terms of the actual buying and negotiating with suppliers rather than a specific, you know, dedicated expert function with technology and data to support it. And therefore, we have seen in, in the early phases of our engagements so far, uh, consistently across the board, a, a big opportunity to drive costs down in those spend areas, much more so potentially uh, perhaps than some other industries where procurement teams have been established, have been doing their work for a while, and have, have taken those first, you know, those first steps to drive down costs. You know, the opportunity in healthcare seems to be larger so far, and we are newer into this marketplace. But um, but uh, because of that lack of focus or awareness on the the level of expense that's out there, you know, we're seeing very fruitful, as you say, savings opportunities on um, on on the spend in those areas relative to other industries. So, if a health system recognizes. The importance of this, it sounds like like that's one of the major steps here is that there's just a level of awareness that people need to have yeah. to start recognizing some of those savings. Yeah, I was in, I was actually in a, a conversation yesterday with um, the CFO and the head of supply chain for a, a major healthcare system. And in the I think the month before we had the meeting, I decided to start an, in, an initiative around non-clinical expense reduction. But that was the first time they'd had a chance to look at it. And um they were still very much in kind of research and education mode. So I do think awareness of, hey, you know, this spend is out there. It's a target-rich environment because it hasn't really been addressed at this point. It can drive material benefit to operating margin in, in the current pressured environment. You know, I think that awareness is starting to spread. But there are plenty of conversations where we go in and, and we are, if you like, educating folks from scratch that this is even a, a target area. And that's exciting all the way around in terms of uh, the opportunity. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet. And I imagine once that awareness happens, that that can spread quickly in the the understanding of the benefits here. That's uh, right. So I think we've been talking about services to a degree. What technologies are you seeing beyond services? What technologies are you seeing emerge to address the non-clinical spending space? We have five different modules of our own, but I think um, without selling those directly on this call. I think broadly speaking, the technology really is around, if you like, intake to pay or source to pay. So really, you know, the beginning of that technology around spend and supplier data, categorization, enrichment, visualization, so that the system can see at the click of a button, hey, what am I spending? Who with and how is that tracking to budget? And with which suppliers and, and what transactions are making up that spend? You know, that's actually a pretty difficult a question for many health systems to answer without this type of data visualization technology, you know, much less being able to enrich that information with external data around things like supplier diversity or broader ESG uh, information to understand how the, the system's tracking to corporate responsibility targets. So, you know, that's one big area that is critical to this in terms of, uh, you know, actually having data upon which to build a baseline and start planning out a, an initiative in the first place that, uh, you know, is, is the passion area for us, for sure. I think then um, the second area really is in the execution of sourcing events or, or, or bids. You know, often, you know, if that happens at all, it's very manual with Excel spreadsheets and emails and consolidating kind of everything in one place with a system to manage that is is critical. And then a fast follow on from that is the linkage with uh, the finance organization and the tracking and financial forecasting reporting of those savings. So the business understands, you know, how and when the value from these events is going to matriculate to the PL. And then uh, the fourth big area is, is contracts management. So again, you know, does the organization understand today 
you know, which contracts do I have with which suppliers in these areas? When are they coming up for renewal? What are my payment terms? Where are the risk points in those contracts? Do I have auto renewals out there? Do I have termination rights appropriately uh, defined within each of them? And is there granularity on what I'm paying for? All of those questions, important, but often not ones that the system can readily answer. Um, and that's a big area where technology can help for sure. And then I think underpinning all of that, really the, um, the purchasing process itself. So how do I raise a requisition, pass a purchase order to a supplier, have them agree to that and invoice against it in a predictable way for my accounts payable team to then uh, receive an invoice, know what it is and have it pre-coded and route quickly to the uh, appropriate uh, business approver. You know, all of that kind of procure to pay um, life cycle or intake to pay life cycle is another key area that uh, there's more presence around that because of ERP systems having some of that capability, but it can be pretty patchy in terms of coverage around the spend areas that we're talking about. Oh, I love it. Okay, so I wrote down productivity and process improvement, as well as financial visibility as some of the, the benefits you just mentioned there to implementing these types of technologies that can help here. Are there other benefits that, that come to mind? Or, or, or like, was that accurate? Like we talk about productivity and, and process improvement? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think hard dollar savings as well. I think, you know, having this technology enables you to see spend and control it, essentially, and, and, and action opportunities within that spend to drive costs down. So I do think there's a there's a measurable cost impact of this kind of technology that, you know, being able to run more sourcing events with more visibility into more spend to make sure you catch everything um, and are negotiating with, you know, a supplier on its full book of business with you versus a portion of it because you didn't have the data and the visibility into what everyone was spending with that supplier. That is a meaningful outcome that drives uh, tangible P&L value, you know, over and above not having the technology. And I think the contract's piece is pretty critical as well in terms of, you know, something as simple as working capital, but, you know, often payment terms in these areas are not 90 days, let's say, as a standard. It's very often 30 or in some cases less than that. So just pure cost of capital improvement around, you know, getting all of that data digitized, seeing, you know, where am I paying too quickly versus a a payment terms initiative where I could move that all to uh, longer payment terms and therefore kind of better capital. Those are things that this kind of technology will bring visibility to so that it can be actioned um, by procurement teams in this space. Very nice. Well, we've covered a lot here, but uh, I want to give you a chance uh, to share anything else you'd like our listeners to know that we haven't already discussed. The overriding important point about embarking on a a clinical, a non-clinical rather, spend or a procurement services initiative is sponsorship. You know, these things come with a level of change management required that means that, you know, you can have all the data in the world, but if you haven't, if you can't implement that, with your business units to drive participation in a program like this from the top down, usually CFO sponsored is critical, you know, then, um, then it, w- it will only be partially successful. And I think, um, you know, a, a top down sponsorship of a program like this with appropriate then corresponding top down from department leadership with their teams uh, across these spend areas is really critical to make these, to make these things come to life. So that you know, there's good buy-in, there's good organisational understanding of, you know, why and uh, what's going to happen next with the initiative to make it successful. So I, I would underline the importance of that beyond the pure opportunity and, and the capabilities needed to get at it. Awesome. Well, what other trends are out there on your radar screen, Joe? As we kind of start to to wrap up here, what else are you paying attention to right now? Maybe it's not even in this space, or maybe it's related to it. What other trends are kind of right there in the middle of your radar screen these days? For me, the emergence of AI, and I know it's a, a huge buzzword, but 
there are things now, and we have we have some of these capabilities, and uh, also some interesting partnerships where, you know, rather than manually extracting data from a, a supplier contract and typing it into an Excel spreadsheet, you know, we can throw hundreds, thousands of contracts at a at a platform like ours and have that done through essentially kind of language processing AI that will will recognize, you know, I see termination date. I know that's a termination date. I'm going to grab it and I'm going to put it in this piece of the uh, the data architecture. That AI enablement of um, of what would be manual tasks is rapidly accelerating uh, time to value. You know, on the on the flip side, around some of the data data visualization that I mentioned, you know, taking huge volumes of data from ERP expense PCOD systems and suppliers, and you know, again, using logic and AI to categorize that into its respective sourcing areas for people to action you know those are two big areas of of emergence of technology and you know call it machine learning or, or ai that uh, are very interesting and then post that i think also the ability to predict where things are going to go in the future from a cost perspective or a continuity perspective um, using historic data is another very interesting area that uh, you know enables you to look at look at your spending and even decide hey if costs are going to go up should I even do a sourcing event or should I lock in my current price and move on to something that's a better opportunity area? So I think for me, you know, those kinds of uh, AI driven technologies are definitely uh, uh, a space that we're looking at very closely and developing our own capabilities to, uh, to kind of keep up with the competition as well. Oh, well, that gets me excited about what's available now as well as what's probably right there on the short-term horizon. So that, that's fantastic. Uh, Joe, this has been such a pleasure. I want to thank you for helping us explore what's on trend. And with that, that's a wrap for this episode. I want to thank my guest, Joe Seed. To learn more about Logic Source, you can find them at www.logicsource.com slash healthcare. You can learn more about today's show on our program page on healthcarenowradio.com. And make sure you follow the show's hashtag, TrendingNowHC, and follow me on Twitter at Jared Piano. Until next time, if it's happening in healthcare and it's now, it's on Trending Now. 